Hey, hey, it's your girl Lizzie Z bringing you another episode of the Sweet and Savage podcast. I've got a special guest with us today. I've got, you know, five foot Jesus. Sometimes I say, what were we saying, 137 foot Jesus or I don't know, a bunch of names. <laughs> so welcome and thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me back. I'm so glad you're here and uh, this will actually be our second episode of the sobriety series surviving sobriety series that we're launching and i hope that'll take off and be its own show in its entirety so um you know we did the whole group thing where we had do we have four of you or three well i guess we had four including me yeah okay yeah yeah so um i'm titling it surviving sobriety series at this point um just because i feel like it's a little bit about survival day in and day out I think um, and you know this is a sweet and savage production and I I think if you're comfortable with it, are you okay with dropping your location or like your roundabouts like because this podcast is ran out of southwest Michigan and I think it's cool we're doing this yeah. over over twitch and discord like letting viewers and listeners know like you're nowhere near me right fucking now like at all <laughs> no I'm over here in Virginia next to the east coast <laughs> I think so. I think that's pretty awesome. Like technology is allowing us to be able to do that. And um, again, thank you for joining me with this. I feel like, you know, there's a couple of, like almost like housekeeping things I should let you know about or go over um, and let listeners know too. Um, you know, if if we start getting into some topics here, like the goal is like you're able to share as much of your story as you're comfortable with, right? As much along the way as you want to um not just this episode future episodes as we have other guests on the show right um we want to hear everything that's like raw and real and vulnerable and you know how i feel that you know there's like healing in that transparency right and i feel like there's healing for you i feel like there's healing for the people that hear the story but with that it can be uncomfy and I don't, you know, the number one thing with that is that we don't derail anybody's healing as far as your sobriety journey goes, right? So with that being said, like, um, you know, if I push on a topic or anything and you're like, oh, I really don't want to go down that road today or maybe ever or this bitch is crazy, like, (laughs) just you could just put me in check. It's okay. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You could tell me. I can handle it. or maybe you're just like, I need I need a break. Like, maybe you do want to talk about it, but you're like, I want to step out for a second. Like, I've got no problem, like, queuing up some tunes, and um, we'll just take take a breather, right? Um, that's totally okay. fine. So, um, you just, just got to say so. Like, I'm, I'm here for that. And um, like I said, the goal is that, like, we can continue sharing this journey along the way, and it's not just a one-episode thing. And, you know, I feel like sobriety is something that's, you know, ever changing anyways, right? As we go about life and how life changes. So I feel like that, that pairs well. Um, along with that, I wanted to let everybody know that this is like your playlist, right? This is your playlist specific to this episode. 
and um, I will have to, I'll have to make sure I retitle it so it's like Five Foot Jesus. Um, but you can find it on my Spotify account, and that will be linked to my TikTok bio. All my social media is the same. It's Elizabeth Zion 11 I guess with the exception of like the Twitch and the Discord, which you found me at Sweet and Savage Girl. And do you want to drop your social media handle real quick? It's it's all five. Yeah, feet. mine's uh. Yeah, I, I, everything that I got, I got Snap, I got TikTok. It's all the same. Five foot Jesus. Okay. Every account that I got on TikTok got the same account. So if you just look up Five Foot Jesus on TikTok, you'll find me. I'm pretty sure I'm the only Five Foot Jesus on Snapchat as well. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe 137 foot Jesus is out there. Who knows? I don't I don't even know how that how that happened on that last episode. But it just, you were all sorts of different heights. Um, well, <laughs> I I feel like it's a really I I love the playlist. In fact, um, and I like that they're available. I like especially like some of like the sneak peeks of it. You know, because um, I have some already made for other episodes. So. If somebody's interested, you know, they can go and follow and um, check that out. So I'll make sure I send you the link for that, too, so you can share it with any of your people that, you know, might be down to vibe to it, um, especially because it'll just be kind of quietly playing in the background. They might, you know, a lot, of people, okay. a lot of people will message me later and they'll be like, Lizzie, what was that song, you know? Um, but I did want to recap for anybody that didn't hear the previous episode or maybe um, just didn't remember we asked a couple questions of all of you, right? Um, the, t the two big questions were, how old were you when you started drinking? And do you have somebody that you would call if you felt like you were struggling with sobriety? So you don't have to answer those right now. You could answer them at any point in time during this episode. I just kind of want to you know, circle back and cover those at some point in time. Does that work? Okay. That's fine. Okay. Yeah, that's fine with me. Okay, cool. So yeah, I I feel like those are um, just some some important factors that a, a lot of people don't realize. Right. I know you were sharing um, about your open heart surgery. Is that a story you want to talk about now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so like when I was say I was born with a bad heart and. It's nothing that's genetic through my family. I, just, I was just the lucky one. Everybody in my family has been tested, you know, the same way that I have. They all come back negative. Oh, like no. I said, I'm just, just the lucky one, I guess. So <laughs> so I, I've been dealing with a bad heart my entire life. Um, I had open heart surgery when I was two and a half years old. And, you know, I, I grew up a happy kid after I had surgery. Everything was good. And I grew up a happy kid. I played sports. Did nothing hinder me, nothing like that. And, you know, probably around 15 back to that question that you was talking about when I started drinking. It was around 15 when I started drinking me and my childhood best friend who was still my best friend to this day. Um, we started drinking. I, I'll never forget it. We was uh, stealing his grandpa's Budweiser out of his refrigerator. Like he didn't know we was taking five or six at a time. <laughs> oh my goodness. But yeah. So I, and I'll never forget when I was sitting, we were sitting out in his living room. His grandpa was an old man. So he was, you know, he was, always going to bed early and whatnot, and we'd always sit in his living room, and we'd drink beer, and I remember that was the first time I ever threw up off a of beer, too, and, and, you know, I always thought, you know, a normal person with half a brain would have been like, hey, you know what, if you want to drink something like this, it's going to make you throw up and feel bad the next day and whatnot, it, why don't you just quit, but nah, it just led me right down a path that many, many people go down, I guess, and it always ends up at a dead end road. 
Yeah, like you were just determined to push through. Yep, yeah, and so, you know, like I said, I, I grew up, I lived a happy childhood and everything with the bad heart, and again, at the age of 29, I ended up having to have open heart surgery once again, okay. and they ended up going in and, and changing some valves and stuff. It was a pretty intense uh, procedure and whatnot, and, you know, nowhere through none of these procedures from either one of my, well, of course, not my first one, they wouldn't have said anything about drinking, but after the second one, you know, I asked them, I told them they had everything down in, in the documents and on my, uh, in my paperwork, how much that I drank. They knew how much I drank. I mean, we had talked about it as far as patient to doctor, you know, and whatnot. And not one time had a doctor ever told me that, you know, hey, look, you're drinking too much or, hey, you might want to slow down drinking. They always just said, as much as you consume, if you ever decided to quit, then it's probably best that you didn't quit cold turkey because it's probably a good chance that you would do more damage to your body than good because I'd go through DTs and, and stuff like that. So they wanted me to wing myself off of, of drinking real slow-like and whatnot. But never once did they ever come out and say, hey, you know, it's probably a good idea if you was to quit drinking if you want your heart to stay healthy and this and that and the other. They always was just like, hey, a little wine never really hurt nobody, you know? So, so I, I always took it as well as... Let's treat my body like a daggone amusement park because I got a doctor over here and ain't hitting nothing on saying I need to quit or nothing. He's over here saying that little line never hurt nobody. So I kind of took that. Like, it's kind of like that old saying, you give somebody an inch and they take a mile. Yeah. I was taking five miles at a time. Oh, my goodness. I was taking all I could. <laughs> so can I can I push on that a little bit and ask? You said that they are they're telling you um, or not saying anything about, like, the quantity that you drank, right? Like, but how much how much beer would you drink in like an average day? Do you know? So, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. So uh, right before, like right before I ended up uh, getting out of work and and everything, you know, I would probably drink. I'd get off work about five thirty, you know, in the afternoon, and I was working out of town, so I'd be in a hotel. 95% of the time working out of town and there was really nothing to do other than to drink for me because drinking was my favorite pastime so on a on a good work work night I was drinking 18 19 20 beers a night okay. you know and that was on a work night and that was me trying to to you know kind of stay slow at it the night before so I wouldn't feel like shit the next day at work and I could actually get something done because in my opinion yeah. there is nothing no worse than being on a on a, a, a dangerous construction site that's loud as hell hung over as hell and sick as a dog because you got drunk as hell the night before <laughs> but but so like possibly uh, 20 20 beers and not hung over is what you mean so you'd be you'd be now, like ready to roll like the next day. Now I ain't gonna say that. I mean I mean no judgment. I'm just uh, trying to trying to ask like to get the like the baseline here. Yeah, so like I don't know that you know I wouldn't so much be hung over the next day as far as like feeling like shit. But mm -hmm. around twelve, one o'clock in the afternoon when it rolled around, if I hadn't got anything to eat in me and started soaking up yeah. all that alcohol the night before then I would start getting the shakes, and I could really tell. But sure. but the shakes usually went away by the time I was getting off work because as soon as I was getting off work, I You're was already in the 7-Eleven buying beer. Yeah. And that was just all it was to it, you know. So I was already working on them shakes by the time I got off from work. 
were you still about like Budweiser then, or were you into a different beer, or? Yeah, as the years went on, I, I moved from Budweiser because Budweiser just started becoming a, a head splitter for me, and so sure. I moved from Budweiser to Bud Light, and then it wasn't like I drank Bud Light for years and years and years, and the only reason I wanted to switch it to Bud Light is because you know I was growing up in the country boy era and whatnot, going to school. My school was at the middle of the woods, like it was literally dropped in the middle of the woods, and it's all it is around it is woods, no houses, no nothing. And so, like, everybody at school, you know, we're all country boys. And, well, I mean, we all had shotguns in the back of our windows of our truck, you know, <laughs> sitting out in the parking lot. Teachers, the principals, they didn't say nothing. You know, they didn't care and, and whatnot, you know. And so, like, it, it was just a big country thing, I guess you could say, for, for us. So, can I ask then, like, the were you, well, the likelihood, like, of this, like, of, like, consuming this, you probably weren't, like, sipping on them. Were you shotgunning them? Now, so <laughs> I I only so ask because like I I would have been known to shotgun a beer like that that was definitely a thing where I'm like who's got a knife, <laughs> so I just am yeah, curious so like. The, so the thing with uh, the shotgun with me like this is gonna sound kind of weird I guess but uh, when I was growing up we didn't we didn't really do a lot of shotgunning like outside of a can. We done more beer bongs and, oh, okay. and stuff like that. It, it wasn't really, it wasn't really shotgunning. And, and even then, you know, I, I wasn't real big on doing beer bongs cause I, I was more of a, I was more of a party guy. You know, I got a lot of land up here where I live. And so I always had a big bonfire and whatnot. I think it's exciting. Like I, I would, I would douse the whole entire big ass bonfire in something flammable or whatever. And then, I stand a little ways back and I'd shoot it with a flame and air in front of like 30, 40, 50 people with a bunch of music going and whatnot and two kegs out in the field. And we just have a big old good time, you know, and we'd all do keg stands. So I grew up more on keg stands than beer bonging and shotgunning. Okay. Okay. I, I feel like that environment is definitely similar to environments I've been around up here, right? You know, in the, the Midwest. And um, actually, on, on the other episode, we, we talked about that slightly. Um, you know, sometimes the environment was more, like, encouraging, I guess, like, for it, right? Like, even, w even when we were young and underage, like, you know, I went to college where it was no big thing for um, people to ask you to participate in a kegathon. And, um, you know, they, they wanted somebody that was going to be able to, like, hammer it down. Like, like that... Do you think they were like encouraging sobriety? <laughs> not even a little bit. Like, no, it was not how, at all. how how many um, kegs could be consumed by the least amount of people, right? Because you needed like a smaller team, ideally, right? So, I yeah. I mean, what do you think about that? Like, as far as like your environment, would you say like that that is accurate? Like that it was just everybody oh, yeah. encouraged that? Absolutely, because. Uh, I was just getting ready to touch on you saying that, you know, when you when you do kegs and whatnot, it's not really inviting uh, sobriety or, or anything like that. Um, we actually, there there was countless times, and you might not believe this, but it's honest got true. I, there, there was countless times that I went to an actual state trooper's house who was a actual state trooper at the time and everything, and he would host 
keg parties at his house and let oh, underage minors come in that. all the time. And I, and I was one of them. You know yeah. what I'm saying? He finally ended up getting caught for it and, and and whatnot. But you know, at the same time, he was he was still an active state trooper and allowing underage minors to come up there and leave his house. Well, not only were they leaving his house drunk, but he was allowing them to get drunk underage. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I hundred percent believe that. I mean, I. I take whatever anybody says, like, at face value and believe it anyways, um, unless, like, I've been proven wrong, right? But I definitely believe that. I mean, I just be, just because of certain things with, like, the workforce. Um, but, yeah, there's a, a there's a lot of crooked ones out there. So I... Oh, yeah, absolutely. I don't, I don't doubt that at all. And that's, I mean, that's super unfortunate. Um, I've said to people before, I don't know, maybe I said it in like our group chat or not, but really the only difference between me and a friend of mine um, who's gotten an OUI or some people in some places it's a DUI or, or whatever, right, um, is that like that person got caught and I didn't, you know, I mean, or... Um, but then there's been other times where like you get pulled over and then that troop or that officer decides to like let that person go, right? depends on how they're feeling that day right so it's like yeah it's it certainly um makes a difference in how they're feeling so like i want to touch a little base about the dui thing so i actually do have a dui um personally uh, i'm i wouldn't say now that i don't have to work anymore because of my disability but I would say while I was still working, because I worked for a company that allowed us to have company vehicles and, and stuff like that, so you pretty much got to have a, a, a pretty clean driving record in order sure. for their insurance to want to be able to cover you and, and let you allow you to, to drive a company vehicle. And for years and years, I fought the DUI, like five, it's, like it's been over five years, and before you know, I got out of work and whatnot because of my disability, it was right around four Oh no, I think I, I think I got you frozen. Can you still hear me? Let me see if I can refresh you. All right, we're going to be right back after a short break. All right, welcome back, everybody. All right, Shane, let's hear about this DUI. I really appreciate you being so, being like vulnerable and telling us about it. Like, I feel like that's super brave. Um, yeah, like the way I see it, Liz, is I wasn't trying to hide nothing while I was out there being a complete drunk and an alcoholic with my actions and everything like that. So why why try to hide everything now? Because it's already out there. Everybody knows about it. <laughs> It's still really super brave. Like a lot of people would not be okay to do that. So, I feel like it lets it lets like it lets other people know that you know we're human. Like we're flawed humans, and you know that when it when it happens to somebody else, like unfortunately, like it does. You know, and it lets them know like, hey, like this is okay. Like I can still get my shit together. You know, and like that's super important. And not a lot of people are are brave enough to be like that transparent and instead they see like the highlight reel all the time so it's it's awesome that you're willing to share that i appreciate it no problem but uh 
like with the with the with the DUI though, like like a, like I was saying, you know, I, I fought it for a good five years, close to five years, and with the reason why it that I say that I, I I fought it for so long is any insurance company with a company vehicle, you know, they like for you to have at least five years or longer. Some of them want seven years that you haven't got another DUI within the first ten years of your first DUI, but they. They allowed me to have it after the first three years. They put me what was on call a watch list, so it gave them access to my driving record. That they they looked up my driving record two, three, four times a month, oh my and God. they would make sure that I didn't get a speeding ticket. I didn't get any kind of traffic ticket violation. Nothing. I couldn't get it for running a stoplight, stop sign, nothing. And you know, even with that. I fought it with that. I had to fight it with my car. I'm still fighting it to this day with my car insurance and, and whatnot because my car insurance had to go up. And, oh, sure. you know, yeah. it cost me out the ass in the very beginning to start with. Yeah, I bet so. Wow. Did you did you have to have one of those things like, um, I don't know what to call it, like a, oh, yeah. like a PBT is what I think I of it is. I don't blow box. Okay, yeah. So you had to have one of those to, like, drive. Uh, yeah, you have not and them motherfuckers are when you have to go down the road because you have to start, you have to blow in it to start your vehicle, and then once you get going down the road, it waits 15 minutes, and then you have to blow in it again. And oh my then after gosh. you do it the 15, the first 15 minutes, it goes every 45 minutes after that. So you can be sitting at a stoplight and have people all around you, and they can just be staring at you while you're blowing in this box. Everybody knows what it is. Everybody knows that you're a drunk and then caught, got caught with a DUI. <laughs> so here I am. Every time I had to blow in mine, I'm bending over in the seat. I'm hiding like hell, hoping the red light ain't turning green on me. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's wild. Did you have to have yeah, it for they, a long uh, time? Did you have to have it for a long time? They, uh... Yeah, they let, they made me keep it for uh, six months. Um, okay. First offense is usually one year in the state of Virginia, but my lawyer got it down to six months. Um, it costed $105 every month for six months to uh, have it calibrated. Um, oh, and, you know, yeah, it really, honestly, it, it wasn't a bad thing. It, I feel like that it helped me in the long run, but I did sell it one time and I got I got in right much trouble for it and here, here I don't know how it is in other states but here in Virginia you have to take a class and here we call it BASAP I'm sure it's probably called the same thing in other states or maybe something different but it's really for drugs and alcohol and it, it's a mixture of just that people are in there for drugs or, or okay. alcohol or sometimes both and it's a different it's a different age, like there's different ages throughout the whole entire class, so it's just not the same age group, you know, everybody's in there learning from everybody's mistakes and whatnot. And so, you know, when I failed it, it was it was an honest mistake. I forgot that it was even on my vehicle and it was on a Memorial Day weekend and I was down at the river and I got pretty damn shit faced and right before we left it dawned on me that I had the glow box and I gotta get up and go to work in the morning. And I was like, damn, I'm fucked. And I poured my beer out because in BASAP, you know, they said it depending on your body weight and how big you are, depending on how, how long alcohol stays in your system. Yep. And so, you know, I, I poured my beer out and I went home. I ate just as much as I could trying to suck up alcohol. By the way, kids, that don't work. You know what I'm saying? 
And I got up the next morning and went straight out there and I blew in it and I felt it bigger than shit. And I had to go get my mom up out of bed because at the time I lived with my parents. Sorry, and, mom. Uh, I had to go get, well, sorry, mom. <laughs> I had to go get mom up out of bed at six o'clock in the morning and she had to come out there and blow in it to clear it out because if I blew in it again, and I failed it, and it was going to completely lock my vehicle down, and I had to pay four hundred dollars to have oh this guy God. come up and get in it and, and and put in some kind of code and and whatnot. So yeah, it's it was a pain in the ass, but in the long run, I think it really helped me to understand that you don't need to be drinking and driving. Sure, yeah, and just wow, I feel like that would suck. I, you know, I've talked to people that have gotten DUIs before, and you know, in all all different varying degrees of it. I actually went on a date with this guy one time, and he was, like, telling me about this time that he got a DUI, and he just, he essentially had no consequence for it. Like, to this day, I would bet money that he has no problem with drinking to excess and also drinking and driving, just the way he talked about it, you know, um, because he was like, well, yeah. um, he's, like, telling me how his brother had also been in a similar situation and he's like um but i didn't get in any trouble and he's like i had a better lawyer he's like 15 grand and i had the best lawyer and he's like no harm no foul and i was just like i mean that's like just such a shitty way to look at it in my opinion you know like you can't say yeah. that he learned absolutely anything from it at all so i feel like you definitely learned a lot more from that situation <laughs> yes yes so the night that I caught my DUI, uh, I had so many red flags to tell me that I needed to take my ass home. <laughs> so it all, it all got started with I got off from work and the boss man had told everybody it was during the middle of winter and we all worked out in the shop at the time. And it, and it had no heat out there like talking. It was some heat, but not, not real good. And we always had these big bay doors flying in, opening and closing and whatnot, because we constantly had trucks and material and shit being delivered to the building. So he come to us and he said, Dave, hey, look, you know, Walmart's got such a such brand. It's like 65, 70 bucks. You go over there, get what you need as far as your size and everything, hold on to the receipt, bring it back to me the next day, and I'll reimburse you for it. Everybody was like, all right, great. So that's what I did. And on the way to Walmart, I had stopped and picked up a 40-ounce ice house, and I was sipping on it on the way to the uh, Walmart and whatnot, and I was going down the bypass, and I just had to look up in my rearview mirror, and there's a state trooper with his nice sirens on just right on my ass. So I'm fumbling like hell trying to put the lid back on my beard and get behind me or behind my seat and everything, and I get over in the right lane, and he just goes by me because he's going to a call. I should have known right there that, that was my sign. Hey, you need to damn go to Walmart, yeah. get what you need, and get your ass back to the house. But no, my cousin calls me while I'm standing in line. He's like, hey, you want to come up and watch Green Bay Packers play football tonight and drink some beers? I'm like, there's a bear shit in the woods, cuz I'm right down below your house anyway. Just give me a minute. So I got everything I needed, went to the store, got beer, and I went up there with a 12-pack. We sat there and drank that 12-pack. Went to the store, got another 12-pack, drank oh that 12-pack. Next thing I know, we went straight to the bar and shut it down at like 3.30 a.m. in the morning. We're walking out. And I'll never forget, Liz, I looked at him, squared his face as soon as we walked outside of the damn bowling alley. And I told him, I said, Scott, I don't need to be driving, man. He says, don't worry, cuz. Give me the keys. I said, you ain't got no license. You ain't driving my shit. <laughs> so... I told him we would be fine, and, and this, is, this is a little embarrassing, but like I said, it happened. Uh, I, I remember everything pretty vaguely, and um, 
I was right in front of Walmart, and a lady blew through her stoplight. I want to say she was trying to beat a yellow light at 3.30 in the morning, and by the time she got underneath it, her light turned red, mine turned green. I never checked up. She was in front of me, and I T-boned her in the side. I wasn't speeding. I knew that I was... I knew that I was drunk, didn't even be drunk. I wasn't speeding. I was actually doing, I think, like maybe five over the speed limit. But uh, anyways, long story short on that, my cousin ended up going to jail for fighting five cops that night because he was taking up for me drunk, saying that it wasn't my fault, that it was her fault, but he couldn't get it through his head because I was drunk that it was automatically my fault. So I ended up going to jail. He ended up going to jail. We spent the night in jail together. Oh, so it was no. Fun. <laughs> oh, no. That's, yeah, I, it was it was a uh, it was an experience for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's a rough way to catch a DUI. Yeah, uh, thank God it was my first and my last. Yeah, yeah. I'm de I'm definitely glad it was a learning experience for you. Oh, man. Yeah, even after I caught that DUI, Liz, like <laughs> I still drank. Don't get me wrong, I still drank just as hard, if not harder. But as far as me getting behind the wheel of a vehicle, huh, no, that shit was out. I didn't. I quit that shit, and like I said, one and done for me. Yeah. Man, I I knew this guy that had um, I don't know how many he was on, and I don't know what the rules are there, but like um, they shifted here a few years ago and and got a lot more serious. Um, this was like a friend of a friend's like uncle, so I just like knew about a third party, but it was kind of odd because he's actually like one of the reasons I had one of my very first beers, right? And I was underage, um, but he took us to a hockey game and he was old enough to buy the beer, right? So like we thought that was so cool that like so-and-so's friend's friend's uncle, right, bought us beer. We we're like, sweet, because we weren't yeah. old enough to buy it and we wouldn't have been able to have it. Well. Um, I don't know if I'll ever get to see this guy again because he got like, I don't know what number DUI and um, he'll be away for a long time. But I do think it's interesting and in just how it works out with like perception of driving, um, especially and I talk about this a lot with people, um, you know, given like my field of EMS, right? Like I often will work a 24 or 36 hour shift and then, you know, be exhausted. Well, studies have shown that like exhausted driving is, is equal to um, drunk driving, right? Like it's, it would attribute the same. And I've actually lost some people like close to me, like through accidents because they were just straight up fucking tired, right? Uh, like I know a guy um, who went to school with him and he crossed the center line and he was just like, he'd, he'd worked all night, like an 18 hour shift and he crossed the center line and was like smoked by a semi. like. So it's one of those things where I think, like, not just drinking and driving do we need to worry about, right? Like, so anyway, I'm, like, scrolling off on this. I apologize. But so this guy, he gets, like, his several number of DUI. And um, he, it was because, not because he was swerving or anything. They said he was driving a very straight line, right? Like, just very well. But he was going, like, 100 miles an hour. And everybody asked him, they're like, why would you do that, right? Like, because that's when they tried to pull him over, right? And he's just like, well, the faster I went, the straighter I drove. He's like, anytime I tried to go, like, in the speed limit, he's like, I couldn't keep the vehicle straight. He's like, I was swerving all over the place. And he's like, I knew that would be a red flag. And he, so he just, I'm like, 
So when you think of like that perception of it, to me, like that's just kind of just wild, right? Because that was a red flag to him, right? So he's like, okay, so I should speed up, but like the hundred miles per hour wasn't like through town. We're just gonna blitz through and think that they're not gonna be like, huh, something's up with that fella, like, yo, no, bro got yeah, pulled over. No and, doubt. Yeah. So I'm like, huh. So that's a bummer, but yeah, I thought. I thought always. Exactly, you know, I wasn't. You know, after my DUI, I, like I said, I was I was one and done. I know so many people, like so many people that has caught so many DUIs. But when they caught all these DUIs, Virginia was nowhere near as strict on a DUI as they, as they are right now. So they're like my, my best friend, my childhood best friend, has got like two, maybe three. I want to say he's got two. I don't want to say he's got three and make it look bad and he not have three. So I want to say he's got two. <laughs> But his first offense, he didn't have to do none of the shit that I had to do on my first yeah. offense. So, like, his second offense, he had to do all the shit that I had to do on my first offense. His, on his first offense, his fines was nowhere near as bad. His insurance was nowhere near as high. He didn't have to keep yeah. the uh, SR44 nowhere near as long as I did. He didn't have to have the blow box. He didn't have to take VASAP. He didn't have to do all, none of that. You know, and VASAP now is $450 a class. So oh it's not a cheap class at all to take. Yeah, Michigan definitely upped the ante as well too. I'm not, I'm not clear on what it was, but I know, I know it was a lot. I know it used to be like after so many years they fell off your record, and now they're just like they're just like locked in forever. So I don't know if that's a thing like across the board or what, but yeah. Well, see here in Virginia, um, after seven years, uh, a company that has. It's, it's supposed to be after seven years that if a company has company vehicles that allow their employees to drive them, take them home, yada, 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 and they look up your driving record, after seven years, the DUI is not supposed to show up. It's, they're not supposed to be able to see it. Whether or not that's true today, I, I don't know, but I do know that if you catch one DUI and then catch another DUI within the first 10 years of your first DUI, then that's prison time up to Oof. three years. Oof. Oh, that's why. So I, when I when I I, I had to like my my first offense, I had to spend ten days in jail, and he was wanting to give me twenty days in jail just because of what I blew that night. And so you also need to understand, like, I try not to get in trouble. Like I stay out of trouble as best as possible, especially when it comes to me and the law and, and whatnot, because my mom's a retired cop of over twenty some years. So my, my actions can affect her job and stuff like that by making her look bad and, and just be all, all in all just be embarrassing as hell for her. So I tried to stay out of trouble and, and, and everything. So, you know, the night that I caught my DUI, I was polite as hell to all the police officers that was there because it was a bunch of them. It was, it was 3 o'clock in the morning. And I think it was state troopers was there, the city cops was there, and the county cops was there. And it was more cops there than it needed to be. I think they was just bored and they didn't have nothing else to do. But I, I, I was very polite. I was very, I was very nice. And you know, I, I remember I kept telling the cop, the, the state trooper that arrested me the night. I, I remember standing in front of his car, and he come up to me, and and I'm leaned up against the front of his car, just hanging out, you know. And and the medical personnel standing all around me. And of course, I knew all them too because I live in a small town, so it was pretty embarrassing because everybody that was there, cops included, I knew everybody there on a first name basis, you know, and they knew me on a first name basis. 
And so it was, it was embarrassing. And I kept telling the cop, I was like, look, dude, I'm not taking a breathalyzer because I'm going to fail it. You're wasting my time and your time. So he's like, so you're refusing to take this. And I'm like, well, I didn't, I'm not really refusing. I'm just telling you I'm going to fail it. You're wasting my time and you're wasting your time. We, we need to just go and put the handcuffs on me. Like, put me in the back seat, front seat, whatever you're going to put me in. I said, let's go on to the damn match office and get this show on the road. I was like, I'm drunk and I'm ready to go to sleep. And so uh, he tried to get me to do a, a field sobriety test. Told him the same thing. Of course, he went over the same thing. I just went over me refusing this, that, and you know, And I said, I'm not refusing, blah, blah, blah. Well, about that time, here comes my cousin rolling on the ground with five different cops on top of him. He's fighting like hell with them. Oh, and no. I'm, I'm like, oh, shit. You know what I'm saying? I, I was I, I was freaking out because my cousin, he's over here rolling around on the ground. And the cops just slammed me up against the hood of his car. I'm like, whoa. I said, whatever the fuck he's got going on ain't got shit to do with me. I was like, my ass is in enough trouble. And uh, he pulls his gun out, you know, and he's got it pointing at the ground. And I'm like, oh, fuck. I said, don't, don't, don't shoot my cousin, man. And Liz, I ain't even gonna bullshit. No sooner than I got that out of my mouth, one of the cops that was underneath all the other cops yelled out, Oh shit, the motherfucker just bit me. I was like, Oh, oh no, why? Why did he do that? Like, cousin, cousin, no. <laughs> so, Neil, say that right there. That called him a, a free ticket, not to, to go straight to jail. He didn't get oh, to see yeah. the monitor. He didn't get to talk to the monitor. He went straight to jail. And yeah, he's going to the bar motel for sure. And yeah, and see, uh, well, I got to go to the master's office, and I got to talk to the master, and I'm like, it's a good little boy while I was out there getting my DUI and getting my handcuffs put on me. I feel like I had some sense about myself. And, you know, I got to talk to everybody like I was supposed to, and he took me in the back, and, uh, I'm sure, I'm sure that he told me what I blew Liz when I was back there with him, but honestly, I was so drunk that I don't remember if he did or not, and so, you know, it was probably a month, two months down the road before I had to go to court for all this, and when I went to court and showed up, I had a, a court opponent lawyer, and he stood up, and he called my name out, and I was like, yeah, I'm right here, and uh, he says, okay, let's go back here and talk about this, and we go back there in his conference room, and he, he looks at me, and he says, why have you not contacted me before today? He said, this is a really serious charge. Um, I'm like, yeah, I, I kind of know it's a little serious. I mean, my DUIs ain't nothing to fuck around with. I said, uh, I know I'm going to pull some jail time. I said, I'll do, you know, the weekend thing, because here where I live, they used to allow you to do the weekend thing. You turn yourself in on a Friday, they okay. release you on a Sunday morning, and you go to work Monday through Friday or whatever, and you come back Friday night, and you turn yourself in. And you just you pull your time over the weekend until your time is up. Well, he told me that they don't do that no more, that I was going to pull at least 10 consecutive days in a row, and there was nothing that he could do about it, but that was the new law now. And I, oh, I didn't know shit. that. And that blew my mind right there off the start. And the judge was going to give me 20 days because, Liz, I'm in there in a courtroom full of people that I have no idea who they are, and I'm standing up here with a lawyer that I've never talked to until that day, and I'm in front of a judge that I have no idea who he is, and he literally takes his glasses off and throws them down on his desk, and he sits back in his chair, and he says, I'm going to be honest with everybody in this courtroom right now. He said, anybody that can blow a point three, uh, uh, I blew a 0 0.35 that night is what I blew for my DUI. Ooh, fuck and balls. He said, any <laughs> he said that anybody that could blow a 0 
and get in a motor vehicle and operate that vehicle, whether it be one mile down the road or five miles down the road, tells me that you ain't nothing but a damn drunk. And all I could do was just put my head down. I, I didn't know what else to do. Well, and that was shitty I, to I just knew I was going to jail, and that's when he said he was going to give me 20 days, and my lawyer got it back down to 10 because I just had got a job, and my lawyer had talked to the judge to get putting it back down to 10 because he said if I if he gave me 20, then I would lose my job. And at the time, it was a bad job issue going around. Nobody wanted to work in my so he said that he didn't want to call to lose his job, so he cut it back down to. 10 days, but here's the fucked up part about it. A DUI, Liz, is an automatic reckless driving ticket, no matter what. Whether you wreck or not, it's automatic a reckless yeah. driving ticket. So when he knocked my jail time back down from 20 to 10, he looked at the prosecutor and asked her if he was, if she was okay with it, with me doing just 10 days. And it was still my first offense. And she said, well, she said, because I hit somebody and I blew so high on my uh, breathalyzer, she hit me with another reckless driving ticket. So she charged me with hitting the lady and a DUI charge. So I got hit with two different reckless driving tickets oh, at the fuck. same time. And technically, you're really not supposed to be able to do them. That's awful. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, and like they I said, were like, they were definitely trying to like throw the book at you on that note. I mean, they oh, yeah, they saw the, like the, they saw the breathalyzer number people. and they already had like, you know, this was this was how it was going to be. I mean, yes, uh, and I, I feel like he made an example out of me, and I feel like when my cousin went in front of him, he made an example out of him too as well, just because he got into a fight and did a cop. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Oof, gosh. That is fucking rough. So I gotta. It was a while. It was a while ago. I gotta ask though: Is this like, was this event the catalyst to you becoming sober? Is this is this like what caused it? I mean, I know like you have like this TikTok presence, and I want to talk about like the ass organization, but huh? But um, I don't know if organization's the right word. That probably isn't. But you know, I want to talk about that too. But um. Is like is this what sent you to sobriety or like what what got us there? What got us to wanting to be sober? So no, this is not what got the DUI like this happened like I said, roughly a little over five years ago. And so technically speaking, you know, when I when I got out of work with my disability and whatnot, I went to the doctor, like I I I know when something's going on with my heart and everything because I've dealt with it my entire life. And it's just just something that I, I know that's going on because I know my body. Well, right. I finally got a doctor's appointment and she was, she's now my, my family uh, my family doctor and whatnot. But at the time, it was the first time that I was meeting her and everything. And I'm going to be honest with you, Liz. Like, all jokes laid aside, when I went to go see her, I knew the first thing she was going to do was put me up to a, hook me up to an EKG, let, you know, look at my heart rhythm and all that because it was the first time that I've seen her and the first time she's seen me and I'm, I'm technically a heart patient and whatnot. And she want, I knew she was going to do that to see, you know, for her own eyes. Well, she did that and she immediately come to me while I was still waiting on her to get done with the results. And she told me, she said, as your family primary care physician, she said that I feel like that it is my duty to tell you right now that you, you need to go straight to the emergency room. She was like, I do believe that you're on the verge of having a heart attack. I was like, what? 
Ain't no way, cause Liz, like all jokes like second girls, had every attention going up there, get put on this EKG, you know, everything's gonna turn out fine, or it might be a little wonky like always, but nothing major. She was gonna, you know, find out what prescriptions that I was getting that I quit taking as far as my heart medicine was concerned, and I was gonna get back on that, and I was gonna get back on track, and I was gonna leave, I was gonna be in there 30 minutes, and I was gonna leave, and I planned on stopping by the store and getting a 12 pack and getting right on TikTok and just getting plum shit face drunk. But my, my plans got changed real quick when she told me I needed to go to the emergency room. And ultimately, that was on June 27, 2022. I'll never forget it. And the doctor come in and told me after he got done running a camera, the main artery on the inside of my right leg to the backside of my heart to make sure that I didn't have any clots or anything like that because yeah. my heart rhythm was off. And he needed to hit me with a defibrillator in order to shock my heart back into rhythm but if I had any type of blood clots anywhere in my arteries, he was scared that it would jar them loose and it would sure. send it straight to my brain and do one of two things, either kill me or it would make me a vegetable. Yeah. And so the the camera come back, everything was good on that so part. So he bumped it up the next so he bumped it up to the next day and well, that day that he he got done running the camera up my leg, I was in I was in my room, they found me a room and everything and and I was in there getting over the anesthesia and whatnot, the medicine that they had me on from doing that little minor surgery. And that's when he come in and he diagnosed me on the 27th of June of last year that I had severe heart failure. And he said that when people get diagnosed with severe heart failure, then their life expectancy is six months. And that's because they don't either take their medicine like they're supposed to, or they don't quit drinking like they're supposed to, yep. or they just don't take care of themselves like they're supposed to. Because when you get diagnosed with heart failure in general, period, you've got to change up what you eat. You've got to change 100%. up what you drink. You, you can't have all the stuff that you used to have and whatnot. And and you really got to take your medicine. And I'm going to be honest with you, just one of my medicines that lasts 60 pills in one bottle, I take it twice a day, is about, about $815 a month just just for that one bottle. That's not including the rest of the heart medicine that they got me on. So that's another reason why a lot of people, you know, that they last only six months because who really can afford seven, $800 for one bottle of medication oh, yeah. and you still got four or five more others that you yeah. got to, you know, get filled and whatnot. And they're just almost as equally as high. Yeah, and still very necessary. Like, it's not an option for still you to very not necessary. take them. Yeah. Yeah. But ultimately, what led me up to quit drinking is the day that he come in and told me that I was diagnosed with severe heart failure, that I had about 18% of my heart actually functioning. He, he said he wasn't going to hit on me about my drinking. He wasn't going to hit on it. He was just going to talk like a little, little bit about it. You know, maybe slide in and say, hey, you know, you might want to think about slowing down or, sure. or whatever. But... You know, I, I, I looked him square in the face as soon as he got done saying that I was diagnosed with uh, severe heart failure. And I said, all right, well, I'm, I'm done drinking then. Because I'm pretty yeah. sure that that ain't what caused this, but I'm pretty sure it didn't help matters none. Because, sure. you know, back to your previous question about me shotgunning beers and whatnot. I didn't start shotgunning beers until I found TikTok. Like, I knew about TikTok. TikTok was out for years before I got on TikTok. Made an account, started making videos. But somehow another one, I made an account. I don't know how. 
I got on the drunk side of TikTok because there were so many different sides of TikTok, but I got on the drunk side of TikTok and I got on there and seen all these people with damn thumb punching beers and shotgunning them out the side. And I'm like, hey, you know what? This is fucking awesome. This yeah. is badass. And I was going in lives and watching this shit. And next thing you know, here I am on TikTok making stupid shotgunning videos just like the rest of the idiots out there looking just as dumb as them. Yeah. And that's pretty much what got me started shotgunning. And, you know, before I quit, Liz, I, I was shotgunning. Damn, you probably won't believe this, but I, I'd get up at 6 o'clock, 6.30 in the morning. And if I felt like shit the night before from drinking, then I would drink three or four beers regular out of the top instead of shotgunning. And I'd get, you know, past that, that drunk, sick feeling. And once I got past that, I was shotgunning the rest of them, and I ain't talking about I'd wait 15, 20, 30 minutes in between beers. I'm talking about I was shotgunning beers, you know, five, 10 minutes behind each other all day long until I passed out being just a complete fucking drunk. That is wild. I mean, that and that kind of goes right along uh, where we're talking about, like, originally, like, growing up, like, our communities were not discouraging of drinking, and then we've got this side of TikTok that's definitely you know, doing the same thing. They're definitely encouraging it for so many, you know, I feel like. Yeah, huh. uh, they really are. And, it's, you know, back to also, like you said, you know, you had people that would, you know, buy you alcohol, stuff like that. Just like I had people that would buy me alcohol. I mean, nobody hardly ever said no to an underage man asking them, hey, can you go in here and get me a 12-pack of whatever they wanted or a six-pack of this or, or whatever. And, and you know, like I, like I said, when I first started out, it was Budweiser, but that also don't mean that I like Budweiser. I mean, I also drank Smirnoff, little girly drinks and whatnot. Like, that was like one of my go-to when I first started out that was the Smirnoff and, and stuff like that, the little girly drinks. And, and I started out kind of on that, and then, you know, as it went on, then I started drinking Bud Light. Cause like I said, it all fought, fell back on when I was in high school and, you know, we was doing the country thing, and I want feel like I was one of the cool kids, so. <laughs> Man, so then, so then we're doing this on TikTok, and then we have like the health scare, right? And I mean, I feel like I'm I'm super yeah. proud that you made the right decision with that, like and like the hard right decision, right? Like just cold turkey essentially we're like, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this for myself, right? But then tell me about like starting yep. the organization that you have going now. Cause like you're still you still have this like huge TikTok presence and in this organization. Yeah. So you know, I've got, you know, several people that have come to me and they've told me about, you know, I'm I'm a huge inspiration to them about me quitting drinking and how easy that I make it look on a day-to-day -day basis and in reality it hasn't been easy but it hasn't been real hard like first quit it was a bit of a struggle because honestly I, I miss drinking I still miss drinking to this day and I've almost got a year under my belt you know I still miss drinking I still miss getting on TikTok and, and drinking with all the boys and and whatnot but at the, at the end of the day, I like breathing more than I do, like, sucking down beers and whatnot. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and it, wasn't, it, it wasn't so much that it was the beer that was, that was killing me. It's just a simple fact. All the fluid that I was consuming in, in such a short amount of time, my heart wasn't functioning like yours does or anybody else that's fully healthy. And it wasn't pushing all the fluid out of my body like it was supposed to. So 
when my heart couldn't keep up with pushing all the fluid that I was consuming in out, it was putting it all into my lungs and I was having a hard time breathing. Yeah. Did I know that that was what was going on? No, I did not. All I knew was that I was having shortness of breath every time I laid down in the bed trying to go to sleep at night. So I, I really like that explanation, like the EMS, you know, medic side of me um, just loves that because that you just explained it very well. Oxygen cannot transfer over um, like that. It just, it cannot. So when you have all that fluid, it's not, it's not going to go. And like you said, like, um, then you're going to have shortness of breath. So when a person has CHF or congestive heart failure, um, it's usually going to be accompanied by some difficulty breathing. So if somebody were to call into like dispatch or, you know, EMS or anything like that, like, and they say either one of those key things, it's a huge red flag right away. Um, obviously, but those are typically people who cannot sleep laying flat on their back, right? Usually there's somebody that has to be at like a 45 degree angle, which makes things uncomfy for you, right? But it's also then scary too. Those are those are typically people that um, might pass away in their sleep. So that's like scary for their partners. It's scary for their family, right? Because you try to sleep on your back and that shortness of breath is just accompanied by that. But it's like you said, yes. the huge things are changing your life, right? And that what happens is that people don't, right? It's like a, right. you know, COVID exasperated everything where, um, you know, people just, they weren't like, um, you know, they're not going to change their lifestyle. They're not going to change their diet. You know, you've got to be able to have um, oxygen exchange in that plural area. And so I, I, you know, the EMS part of me was like, top fucking tier on that explanation there um good job for that <laughs> but also yeah, e even even better job at like making the lifestyle changes and like recognizing that and just being like hey i'm gonna fix that yeah like i said it, it's uh I, i've had to change up uh, a lot of a lot of things in my life you know i've had to cut out a lot of salt and, and me personally i don't really care how good the food is i like a lot of salt and a lot of people used to make fun of me like damn you want such and such food with your salt or whatever i'll just i'm just a big salt and pepper person i, I don't know what else to say about that so i had to cut out a lot of salt can't have caffeine uh well i can have caffeine but i can't drink caffeine drinks on a daily like every day you know and that'd be my go-to drink so you know, i've had to switch to sprite or seven up or you know, something like that that's always uh, caffeine-free. So, I mean, it, it's, it's been different. It really has. And, and But at the same time, Liz, it's, it's got a lot better. I, I've caught myself. I can, all right, so, for example, I can go in the grocery store by myself, and if I have to go down the aisle to get something that the alcohol section is in, but like I said, I want to go down, like, in my food line, the alcohol is on the, at the very end down there next to the milk and cheese and all that. Why is it down there next to all that? It's beyond me. But, you know, if I need to yeah. go get cheese or something like that, I won't worry about the alcohol. I catch myself not even looking at it anymore. Like, it don't even bother me. It do, I, I don't even think about it. I, I mean, I can be around people drinking. I, I can I can watch people on TikTok drinking. They can be in live and just get plum drunk, and it not bother me at all. As to where it used to bother me, like, when I first quit, I wouldn't go to I wouldn't go to restaurants with my mom and my dad to eat, and we used to do that on a regular basis. You know, we would go out, and I would pay for her and my, my dad. And then, you know, the next time we went out, then one of them would pay for everybody, and so forth and so forth. And we'd all just sit there and have three full beers and, and eat, and then we'd get up and leave. And when I first quit, I wouldn't even do that because I I wasn't ready to go and be around a bunch of people in a bar 
restaurant that was going to be loud and drinking and have all that alcohol being consumed around me and, and whatnot. And even my parents, you know, for respect for me, they even said, you know, if I'd go with them, I didn't have to go if I didn't want to, but if I wanted to, that they wouldn't drink alcohol in front of me out of respect for me. And, you know, I thought that was really cool and nice of them. Yeah. I, I feel like that them being willing to make those changes for you is, like, super awesome and, and helpful. I, I do think it's awesome, too, like you're still, you know, still putting yourself around it. Uh, and I know that sounds kind of odd, but, like, sometimes I think it can be um, more worrisome when somebody, like, won't ever go around it because it, it is everywhere, you know? And it's like if you, like, yeah. try to hide from it, then it's almost like, then what's going to happen when you are around it? Like, are you just going to lose your shit, you know? So it's like, let's start slow and test the waters and, like, be around it before we just have a fucking meltdown, you know? Yeah, exactly. So let's circle back real quick as we get ready to wrap up this episode. And who, you know, the one question, the second part of that, or the second question, I guess, was um, do you have somebody or somebody's people that you would call um, if you felt like you were struggling? Like if you felt like, you know, you did want to want to drink again? You have somebody that like pops um, up in your head right away. And you don't have to give their name or anything like that. But as long as you have somebody like you know, that comes to mind? Yeah, I've got, um, I got several people like, uh, you know, like I, I stated in uh, the last episode, um, you, you wouldn't believe your biggest supporters are strangers on the internet that you've never met. And sure. I, I'll stick by that a hundred percent. And I will be honest, uh, you know, everybody that's watching this now, you know, they're my biggest supporters and they're my, they're my closest friends. And everybody that's in Twitch now, you know, I, I feel like if I could go to either one of them, if I was having a bad day, I could go to them like, hey, you know, I'm thinking about drinking or I could I could just tell them about what's going on in my life and wouldn't even have to say anything about drinking. And mm-hmm. they wouldn't even necessarily say anything about drinking. And, and we would just talk about, you know, what's going on in my life. And basically they would talk me off the ledge without them even knowing that they're talking me off the ledge from going out here and getting drunk or, or relapsing or anything. I think, I think that's the key right there, what you just hit on, that you could talk with them without having to mention that, you know, it was leading you to wanting to drink, right? That you have people to go to that's the resource. I, th- I really think that because I think so many times, like, we were just not designed to reach out to say, hey, like, I'm struggling with this, this, and this. But, like, having somebody that you know you could go to at a low point, right, that to talk about whatever right and then before you know it you're you're back up because the reality is life is full of peaks and valleys and um you know like james and i talked about it recently and it was like people always say life is short and i'm like well yes like that that can be true but if we're if we're fortunate life is really fucking long and it's it's difficult right and it you do want to have the peaks and valleys right like you don't want to have like the even keel like if it's completely baseline like that's a flat line on a heart monitor so then that means like no good right like you got to have the the low points to have the high points so it's important to me that you do feel like immediately like you have some people that you would go to and you know, so I just want to make sure that like anybody that would be listening or watching, um, whether they're listening to this, you know, years from now or, um, you know, it just got released, right? That they know that, hey, they could hit up me on social media, that they could contact me in any capacity, um, as well as I know, like you are always a support to people 
also and any of our other guests they've always like put themselves out there too to say like hey i would much rather you know you guys contact one of us and say hey like i need help with this or even you know maybe you're like silently kind of watching and like seeing this story and you're like man i want to get sober like or what whatever it is like wherever that person is maybe they realize like they they struggled and they like fell off the wagon uh, you know, I don't know, whatever the case may be, I would much rather they like reached out like there is so much bravery in that. And I know it's scary, but like that's that's yeah, what I want to be here know, for. So a lot of people, they, they, they don't they don't have, I guess, say the courage or they think that it's embarrassing for them to reach out and, and you know, admit to somebody that they have an issue or they have a problem or or they want to talk about their drinking or whatever. So my advice to anybody that's listening to this podcast, uh, if you don't want to reach out to nobody and you kind of want to go at it alone because that's the way you think you need to do it, then just look up hashtag ASS and look at all the videos off of TikTok of what other people in, in my group have done to help them stay sober and, and whatnot. And maybe you can learn from their videos and maybe their videos will help you to ultimately reach out to somebody and be able to talk to them about your drinking or whatnot. I feel like that's an easy hashtag. Remember, like you just gotta know, like it's a, like ass, right? Like, come on, ass hashtag. Like, I feel like we we could find that pretty easily. Pretty <laughs> so, easy, yes, ma'am. Right? Like, um, like not tits, ass. Like, come on, I got that. But I feel, I feel like that's um a super good way to do it too. And kind of like you said, like you're you don't have to actually ask anybody you could go through all of that like that's like a, a free resource then right everybody's already created all yeah, this content right. and and that's stuff that you can just like re-watch over and over again i i mean i feel like that's awesome and i, I that's one thing i think um would be cool the more we can continue to do episodes like um you know have you back on um and like see how you're feeling like because you're nearing like your one year mark right and some of these anniversaries can be like such a big deal um, and they should be like they should be huge and celebrated but I also want it to be where like ev everybody knows that like we're human right like we are we are flawed humans and like maybe somebody doesn't have the same type of success that you have right like that would be okay like yeah. I would still want them to be able to reach out so I think it, it would be good like you know to bring you back and have you share more of your story and share where you're at with life and you know check in and you know, we can even do different pairings and matchups with other guests and, you know, just see how you're doing across the country and, you know, just get to keep sharing your your survival of sobriety along the way. Yeah, I'm so down to do it. I'm awesome. so down. I'm awesome. excited for this. I think this is a great idea. I think this is great. Awesome. Well, I'm so happy to have you a part of it, and I look forward to being able to pick your brain more. I'm going to wrap up this episode with this song. This is Just Pretend. You know, you and I were talking about it. Um, this was on my snap. I got to see Bad Omens in concert oh, not yeah. that long ago, and they Bad are fucking fire. Um, so this will be on your playlist that people will be able to find. Um, it's called Five Foot Jesus, just like your social media handle. So everybody can track you down, find you that way. Make sure you guys go find him and follow him if you're not already. Um, I do want to talk more with you later about your one-year goal once we hit that mark. I want to talk or talk more about your goals after that. So we'll definitely have to have you back. And in the meantime, just everybody give me some feedback like normal at my social media handle. It's going to be Elizabeth Zion 11. Or you could, you know, get a hold of us here on Twitch. 
Discord, all that new stuff that I'm figuring out. That's sweet and savage girl. So thanks so much, Five Foot Jesus, for joining us. Hope you take care. Thank you for having me. All right, I'll talk to you soon. You guys know where to find all me. Right, thank you. Thanks for listening.